you'll notice in Revelation chapter 6 and verse 17, the great day of His wrath has come, and who shall be able to stand? There is an account of the ending of the tribulation period, starting in verse 14 and going down to verse 17. The heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains. Now that's centered around Jerusalem, around that area there. And said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of Him that sitteth on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of His wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? There's a mountain range running right down the center of that land there today that we call Israel, and the news media calls Palestine. And then there's a mountainous area around Petra, and there will be people hiding there, from the Lamb, which is Jesus Christ, at His second advent. So, let me move my board over here. The Bible says the day of His wrath has come. Now, I take the position that there are four accounts of the tribulation in the book of Revelation. Now, I think we all know what the tribulation period is by this time, right? It's a seven-year period. It is the 70th week of Daniel's prophecy. It's the time, it's called the time of Jacob's trouble. And it is a time of trouble like the world has never seen or ever shall see again. And the standard interpretation of the book of Revelation is that there are three accounts and that the judgments in the book run consecutive in order. So, most believe that the book of Revelation, if you read from, from chapter you know, 6 on to, to 19, you're reading you know, chapter 6, 7, 8, 9, all the way to 19 in consecutive order. I do not take that position. I don't follow that scheme. Why, you might say? Well, because there are four accounts of the ending of the tribulation period in the book of Revelation. So those accounts are the the seals. I know this is small, but the seals, that's in chapter 6. And then you have also the trumpets. And the trumpets are in Chapters 8 through 11. And you have the Antichrist. This one is overlooked. But you'll find the ending of the tribulation at the end of this passage. And the Antichrist is dealt with in chapters 12 through 14. You can read about his activities right there. And then number four, you have the vials which a lot of people call today the bowls. It's the vials. And the vials, mainly it's chapter 19, but you have chapter 15 through 19. You'll find 
the end of the, tri- of the tribulation period mentioned in each one of those sections, those judgments. What I want us to do is I want us to read the accounts of the end of the tribulation period. We read the first account in chapter 6. Let's turn to chapter 11 and verse 14. As we're getting started, chapter 11, verse 14, any questions so far? Any questions arise? Uh, Clarifications? Anything like that? Okay. Chapter 11, verse 14. Here it says, The second woe is past. Now this is in the trumpets section. Second woe is past, and behold, the third woe cometh quickly. And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats fell down before their faces and worshipped God. Now, the four and twenty elders, that's twenty-four elders. Uh, Does anyone here know who we presume those those elders are if you think about it it's 24 okay so 12 heads 12 heads of the 12 tribes of Israel okay and then who would the other 12 be the apostles that's who we assume because that that lines up with the foundations of new jerusalem so all right saying we give thee thanks o lord god almighty which art and wast and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. And the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come, in the time of the dead, that they should be judged, and that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. And the temple of God was opened in heaven, and there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament. Isn't that interesting? Ever wonder where the ark is? Uh, Indiana Jones didn't find it. Um, And there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and an earthquake and great hail. That's an account of the end of the tribulation period. Also, read in chapter 14 and verse 13. Chapter 14 and verse 13. This is in the Antichrist section and his activities on this earth. So beginning at verse 13. I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Those martyrs, people who were God's people that were yet to die in the tribulation before the end. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. And I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and upon the cloud one sat like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, Thrust in thy sickle, and reap... For the time is come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. In each one of these accounts, you find the common theme of God's wrath finally being poured out. And he that sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. And another angel came out of the temple which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. 
And another angel came out from the altar, which had power over fire, and cried with a loud voice to him that had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in thy sharp sickle, and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully wrath. That's referring to people. God's dealing judgment out to them. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth, and gathered the vine of the earth, and cast into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden without the city, and blood came out of the winepress, even unto the horses, the horse bridles, by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs. I think we're probably all familiar with a wine press, but we got to see an ancient wine press when we were in the city, the little village of Nazareth, and it was cut into like a like a stony slope of a hill, and on this slope. They had some uh, trellises with some grapevines and things. And then there was this place where the stone kind of flattened and, and, uh, and they had dug into it like a, a rounded uh, section and uh, had flattened it. And that, they said that's where the ladies working in the uh, vineyard would bring the grapes and throw them into that section and then take off their shoes and stomp on the grapes. And then there was a little uh, track, a groove cut into the rock that went to a lower section so that the grape juice would go down that groove and then pour into a basin dug into the rock below it. And so all of the juice would be collected in that basin area. And that was a wine press. That's how they used uh, to get their wine. And that is a picture of God getting all of humanity and stomping on them. Jesus himself coming back. Yes. They did that in Spain. They'd have the whole family in the big okay. barrel. The kids would all go in a barrel. Really? It was, a, it was about, oh, 25 foot across. And they just keeped dumping grapes in, and the kids and the whole family being there barefoot just stomping grapes. Oh, okay. I watched them do it. Like a hole in the bottom? Yeah, with a two come out the bottom, and then there was somebody in the bottom filling barrels up. Oh, okay. Yeah, so... Yeah, I, th- I find it interesting. I hope they washed their feet before they did that. But, you know, hopefully they didn't have athletes' feet or anything. But anyways. And then uh, chapter 19. So what you have is these, these four accounts are accounts of the second advent of Christ, His return at the end of the tribulation period. And when he comes back in wrath, uh, comes back as the lion of the tribe of Judah. So chapter 19 and verse 11. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. Now who's that? Who's, yeah, Jesus. Faithful and true. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. Now he looks different than the Jesus of Galilee. His eyes are a flame of fire, his hair is white, his head's uh, many crowns. He was clothed with the vesture dipped in blood. That's the stomping on the ra- his wrath on the grapes. And his name is called... The, capital W, 
O-R-D of God. The capital W always refers to Jesus. It never refers to the Holy Bible. The Holy Bible is also always a lowercase w. Okay? The uppercase is Jesus. He's the living word of God. The Bible is the written word of God. The armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, that's us, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that represents his word, the power of his word, that with it he should smite the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. He treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. Okay? Now, Jesus is coming back to smite the nations. So what you have is this seven-year period is the 70th week of Daniel. And it's the end of the times of the Gentiles. Right, Brother Clifford? It's the end of the times of the Gentiles. So Jerusalem had been trodden underfoot of the Gentiles all this time. But when Jesus comes back, that's it. The the time of the Gentiles ruling this earth is over. And after that, Jesus is going to be a Jewish monarch. And you're going to have a Jewish government running the world. Uh, A king, yes. Yep. And that's what this whole book is about. It's about a king and his kingdom. That is the major doctrinal theme of it. Now, you could also say this, and you'd not be wrong. If you took missions out of this book, God's book, you'd have nothing left but the cover. Because God's been a missionary God throughout the whole Bible from the very beginning. You know, God going to Adam and Eve and finding them hiding in the bushes. God going here, God going there, sending Jonah there. You know, it's just been constant missions throughout the whole book. Finally, the, the greatest missionary to ever live was Jesus, you know. He says, seeking to save all, which is lost. Yes. All means all. All means all. Everybody has the opportunity. But this is the time, this is, this is not a gospel appeal. This is God dealing with those who, you know, lived underneath that anti, antichrist system. So, and he hath on his vesture, verse 16, and on his thigh a name written, All caps, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. King, he's going to set up his kingdom. All right, so uh, that goes on to verse verse 19 as well. You you see the mighty men and all of those. uh, Well, let's just read it. I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God that ye may eat the flesh of kings, and the flesh of captains, and the flesh of mighty men, and the flesh of horses, and of them that... There's horses. Something's happened to the technology in the world, and they're back on horseback. Um, And of them that sit on them, and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. I don't want to be gory, but if you've ever seen the scene, uh, if you've ever seen a picture depicting... A battlefield after a great battle. It's not a pretty sight. Um, and there's much of that that can be seen. I don't recommend that you go looking for it. But imagine just Jesus has come back and he has laid waste to the Antichrist and his armies and the UN and all of that. And the, the flesh of men will be eaten by birds at that time. So I was driving down the road the other day and coming down 33 from Athens... And I hit an owl, a little brown owl. 
they're slow to get up off of the carcass. The, the, uh, there's a, a brown uh, falcon, but this thing was an owl. I, I'm, I'm almost certain it was. At the, the shape of its head, poor thing, I hit it. I've hit everything around here. You know, everything, just about, except for a red fox. I don't want to hit one of those. Right. <laughs> and I've hit it all with Beth's car. I tell her, I was like, don't you drive my car. Don't you drive my car. And I drive her car. And I hit everything. I hit a deer. I hit everything. Yeah. I mean, we was coming out Bayshon, and there was one just sitting in the middle of the road. And I yeah. Like, I was like, "Ow!" Yeah. And it was black and white. Okay, I've seen them. I've seen. I hit. I hit a bat. I hit a bat in Beth's car. <laughs> yes, buddy. Have, have you hit a bear? No. No. I hope I never do. Or or. You've hit a bear. That's awesome. I mean, it's not awesome, but it kind of is. I thought it was kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, just don't ever. Oh, okay. Amen. Don't ever hit a an antelope. Is it an antelope that's up in Alaska? A moose. Don't ever hit a moose. You'd be in trouble. Oh yeah, yes. I haven't seen it yet, but I hear about that. So. Uh, Yes. Yes. And you, and you got to wonder, maybe it's AI. The AI technology, maybe uh, maybe it gets out of control. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's true. The terrain. And it will be around that area. So we're talking about when he returns... Every, everybody knows that, right? When, when he returns, it's Israel. He's, he's returning right there to Israel, to Mount Zion. So, I mean, it's the valley of... Go ahead and say it. It's, it's Armageddon when he returns, second advent. And it's the valley of Jezreel. Yeah, Jezreel. Jezreel Valley. So it's right there in that the land of the Bible, you know. That's where he's coming back. Um, yes. He yes. And that's why it's hard for us to understand God because there's parts of his being and, and, and his nature that is that are they call incommunicable. There's communicable attributes and incommunicable. And we just can't totally understand that. That God is perfect love, and that God is also perfect hatred and wrath. He, he's angry with the wicked every day. Yes. Yes. Right. So, you know, read the Bible. There are things that God hates, and there are uh, people that God hates, and there are... Uh, God's holy. You know, there are things that make God sick. But, you can read in the Bible and you can find in there where God laughs. You know, so He is a complete being and He's all of these attributes. And So, just uh, the, the old saying is you want to be behind Him when He comes back. You do not want to be in front of Him. Alright, now you probably thought that was the end of that tonight, didn't you? That is just the first page. So, I have plenty more. Let's look at, let's just, well, listen to this. This won't require you to turn anywhere. But I will stop here in just a, 
just a few moments. But there are, there are parenthetical chapters. So the way that I take the book of Revelation is that you have those four accounts of the tribulation period. And, and, that, and they are referring to the same tribulation period. Um, but then within the chapters 6 through 19, you have parenthetical material in chapter 7 and in chapter 10. So this is like additional information that the Lord adds. Chapter 12 and chapter 13. Now if you look at the book of Revelation that way, the next time that you read it, see if that doesn't help unlock it for you. Parenthetical material added. So, let's just go back to chapter 6 and look at that just briefly here. What you have in chapter 6 is you have earth's scene. And this is the first account given of the tribulation. And it's the scene on earth. Okay? Revelation chapter 6. That's the scene on earth. But if you turn back to chapter 5... That's the scene in heaven. What's going on in heaven during the tribulation. And as you go through the book of Revelation, you learn more things about what's going on in heaven during the tribulation. But uh, look at chapter 5, verse 1. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne. You see where we are? John has been taken up to the third heaven. He's seeing a vision. And there is one sitting on the throne. And in his right hand, there's a book. Now this is the Father on the throne, and He has a book in His right hand. This is an unknown, uh, unopened book. At one time I thought maybe it was the book of Daniel, because it's sealed up and it's going to be unsealed. And in the book of Daniel, Daniel's told to seal up the vision that he has. I thought maybe that was it. But Daniel didn't write all of these things that are about to occur in the book of Daniel and his, and his prophecies. So it appears that this is an unknown and unopened book. And the Father has it in His right hand. It's sealed with seven seals. So the book is sealed up. It's, uh, we presume that it's a scroll. Scrolls are also called books in the Bible. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy? Now, Jesus is going to get some glory here. This is what they're doing. They're glorifying Jesus in this passage. Who's worthy to open up the book and to loose the seals thereof? Are you? I teach Sunday school. I'm a pastor at a church. I study the Bible dispensationally. And I write, no, I'm not worthy. Mm -mm. No one was worthy to open up the book. So, so this strong angel, he's not even worthy. And, uh, and then, no man in heaven, verse 3, nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And John, old John the Revelator, he started weeping. Because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. But you know who was worthy? The elders, one of the elders said, don't weep. Don't weep now. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, in verse 5, the root of David hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. So he's getting glory. Only Jesus is worthy to open up this book. You say, what's in the book? Well, the account of the tribulation. It's, it's the, the seals being broken and the tribulation occurring on earth. And only Jesus is able to open up that book. All right? Um, 
And then if you'll notice in chapter 6, And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals. There in chapter 6. This is earth's scene. So this is showing us what happens on earth when the seals are opened in heaven. Now chapter 6, this begins Daniel's 70th week. Okay? It deals with the end of the day of the Lord. If you remember... um, Remember that we said that the day of the Lord began with the first advent of Christ. If you study it out with your concordance, it begins at the first advent and then it ends at the second. So this is the day of the Lord and it ends when he comes back. It's interesting to note that for the first advent, you have four accounts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the Bible. For the second advent, you have four accounts in the book of, tri- of the Revelation. Four accounts of the tribulation period of his second advent. So chapter 6 deals with the end of the day of the Lord. It covers the tribulation period straight through from start to finish. But at the end, the only thing that's not covered is the touchdown The Battle of Armageddon, when Jesus touches down on the Mount of Olives, that's not covered until later accounts. So, what I think we'll do, because I'm just feeling like this is tedious, I think we ought to break here. Does anybody want to keep going for five more minutes, or do we want to just break? Because this is tedious information, and I don't have any more funny stories. So, it's a lot of information. Any questions? Or any thoughts, anything you want me to talk about next time? Because we're just going to, next time what we're going to do is we're going to look at chapter 6 and uh, pretty much just cover chapter 6 to get an idea of the tribulation. And then we will cover the battle of Armageddon from the other accounts and we'll talk about what happens to Israel. That's kind of where I'm going with this. But uh, somebody had said that they would like me to talk about, uh, we hear that there are only a small percentage of church-going people that are actually saved. So I'm working on a message on that. And somebody else had a question, and uh, it'll come back to me. But if you have questions, I would, I would be glad to try, to try to tackle them. You know, and if nothing else, we can just have a good conversation on a Wednesday night about them. Right. Right. Yeah, I don't either. I got you. Got me there. I know it's like and it, the father knows, not even the son knows. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Of his return. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, if you think about it, the Lord might return when we're asleep. And on the other side of the world in China, they might be awake and evangelizing and witnessing. And and we're here asleep when the Lord returns or vice versa. It's interesting to think about that too. Yeah, you'll wake up and you hear that trumpet. That's right, he's going to light everything up. Yeah, yeah. I always understood that when he comes back, the whole world will 
Yeah. And and uh, if you think about it, the church, we're not an earthly people. We're a heavenly people. Yeah, we're already there in heaven. Ephesians chapter 2. Read that sometime. That will be a blessing to you. If you wonder if you've got to do something to keep yourself saved, you're already in heaven. Um, now, Israel, they're an earthly people. We're heavenly. All our treasures are up in heaven. Anything we're promised down here is persecution and that God would meet our basic needs. Israel, they're an earthly people. But we're going to rule and reign with Christ here. During the, during the kingdom age. Okay, let's go ahead and pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this wonderful book. Lord, none of us is worthy to open up that unknown, unopened book up in heaven. It's yet to be opened. Uh, but Lord, we're not worthy to open up this book. We're, we're so privileged to have the Word of God in our own language. There are so many today around the world, and they're still waiting to receive uh, an adequate portion of scripture in their own language we've got so much lord and to whom much is given much is required help us to do everything that we can to further the cause of missions and the gospel in this world lord there are many that need to hear and uh and and lord pray that you'd help us to do what we can we can help and we can all have a part and i thank you for that but help us to do our part here to reach our jerusalem In Jesus' name, amen.